0: Hello, everybody. I'm Aaron Martell.
1: I'm Shannon Fleming.
0: And I'm Ray Zimmer. And welcome to the R4 Summit, a podcast where we discuss and analyze a musical album of our choice. This episode, we have not one, but two returning guest co pilots with us. First, we'd like to welcome back the professor, Ray Permi. Ray P., thanks for joining the R4 Summit.
2: Oh, thank you, guys. Thank you. Hello, Shannon. Good to have you back. Thank you so
0: much. Secondly, returning to the podcast after a long absence is Mr. Matt Fleming. Matt, good to have you back, man. Thanks, thanks. I'm glad I could come back. It's a a thrill. I love doing this. Well, you know, it's Van Halen, so we needed to have you back. All right, cool. (laughs) So Ray P. made the album selection for this episode, and he picked Van Halen's 1979 album, Van Halen 2. Ray P., how did you get into Van Halen and this record in particular?
2: Um. With this record, I remember very clearly how I got this album. This was the first time I was able to buy my own music with my own money. Oh, wow. I was a huge Kiss fan. The inside cover of live 2 was like cracked to my imagination to what a rock show should be. Uh, up until 79, they kind of lost me a little bit after that, uh, or my musical taste expanded. Either way, I branched out. I had a crappy, crappy paper route job. That I had $20 from after I could go to the bank and and uh, put my money in. I was allowed to go to Zare's store, which was like an Uncle Bill's or like you remember a, Zare's. Holy
1: shit,
3: there was wow.
2: Zare's around here. Yeah, yes. I remember that. Yeah. Oh yeah. my Sit, god, yeah. I
1: remember our mother worked at Zare's. Mom worked at Zare's. Oh um, yeah,
2: I know. The, so my sister did too. So and they had a sale going on, and I bought Fog Hat Live. Nice. Because I liked live albums and because I liked the song Slow Ride. And then I bought Van Halen 2 because I knew of Dance the Night Away. And I liked that song, but I really liked the cover of the album. It was just that cool blue and, and the, the wings. That was, just, that was just cool. And I went, okay, I'll get this. And I picked this album up. And the reason Kiss, I brought that up, was because Kiss really introduced me to riff-based music. Freely had his own style of guitar. Every time you could hear him, you could hear that, oh, that's Ace playing that. So I I immediately this I glommed onto this immediately when I played it. So I was actually allowed to play this on my mother's stereo in her living room, which was like getting access to the Louvre. That's beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> <That's lovely. laughs> you remember those old consoles that were like five? Yes. Feet wide? Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. Very,
0: yeah. Don't you
1: remember the massive one that we of, had in our living course. room? Of course.
0: How many records did we hear on that? Yep. It had to slide
2: things on the top. I was able to play this on that until my brother decided that it was cool enough to go on his stereo. Wow. But it, at first it wasn't cool That's enough. That's a big so, deal. Yeah. It was a big deal that I was allowed to do this because no one was ever allowed in that velvet roped room. You know, the youngest of six, we were all nuts. We broke everything. so so it's just it's just the way we were. that's how i got into this album
1: that's awesome
0: all right matt now we did we covered van halen's fair warning can you just like give a quick overview of your van halen and and your experience with van halen
4: 2 uh well van halen 2 of course pretty much rode right on the heels of van halen 1 which you know growing up as a kid and being playing guitar and being wanting to play rock guitar you know van halen won like pretty much melted my face off. And I was just like, what is going on here? This kind of changed everything. And then Van Halen 2 comes out, like, was it even a year later? Like, a year later, I guess. under a year later, I think. Yeah, under a year later. And then it just was this like, you know, Rinse and Repeat, another album where it's just like sitting there endless hours trying to figure out what he's doing, what his technique is, how he's getting these guitar sounds. And all in all, frustrating, but at the same time, very exciting at the time for a guitar player. All right. Shannon, what about you and Van Halen too?
1: You know, it's funny, I don't, I didn't really know this album very well until after I met Matt, and it's because he had the entire catalog. You had, well, you had Jump, so that's basically what my introduction was. You know, I was only 10 years old, so go ahead and jump. So when I think about Van Halen, that's my introduction to it, but when I got into the actual music of like, into all of it, I think about Matt. And it's because he knew all of it so well and I did, I listened to it and it was really, really good stuff. And this is a a great album.
0: All right. Ray, your Van Halen story. Well,
3: for me, yeah. Nineteen eighty four I moved from Massachusetts to Connecticut or from Connecticut to Massachusetts and uh jump was huge. I remember I just loved it. Like I, I still kind of associated it with my, that time period of my life. But that was my first introduction to Van Halen. Um and then around eighty eight a uh, buddy of mine got me into Diver Down. He kind of he kind of introduced me to Diver Down and 1984 at the same time. And uh, then after that, I went right to the first one, then went to um, Fair Warning, and then Women and Children first. Actually, with this album, Van Halen 2, this was like the last album of the David Lee Roth era that I, I hunted down. The
0: last one of the six-pack.
3: Yeah, and I remember sitting there like playing Nintendo in my room. Listening to this uh, quite frequently. <laughs>
0: it's better than the uh, game, the, the music in the game.
3: Oh yeah, no, yeah, for yeah. sure. <laughs> well, well, maybe well, except for Ninja Gaiden. Ninja Gaiden did have some good all music. Right, all right, you got me there. But, but uh, between this Ultimate Sin by Ozzy Osbourne and uh, what's the other go to one that I had? Of course, Metallica's Master of Puppets. They're all great Nintendo music. All right, but yeah, no, this is a
0: good album. All right, great album at that. All right, so way back on episode 12 of the podcast, Shannon, Matt, and I covered Van Halen's Fair Warning album. So to make this short, I'll say I really got into Van Halen with the album 1984, which I think most of us here did, which led me to dig into their catalog by the rest of their albums at the time. And I can't remember exactly when I got Van Halen 2, but I do know two things. One, it was later on that year, 1984, and two, it was on cassette. And there you have it. So let me lay down some basic facts about this record. And I got these facts from Wikipedia. You want to make something of it? Van Halen 2 is the second studio album by American hard rock band Van Halen, released on March 23, 1979 on Warner Brothers Records. It was produced by Ted Templeman and recorded from December 11, 1978 to January 1979 at Sunset Sound Recorders, Hollywood, California. It reached number six on the U.S. Billboard 200 chart and is certified five times platinum by the RIAA. Next, I'll give you the band's lineup card. We have Michael Anthony on bass guitar and backing vocals, David Lee Roth on lead vocals, Edward Van Halen on guitar and backing vocals, and Alex Van Halen on drums. Okay, let's get into our roundtable track-by-track analysis of this album. The opening track is You're No Good, written by Clint Ballard Jr.
5: Well, I feel better
0: Ray P, what do you think about this?
2: Okay, so this is a bit of a curveball for a band whose first album turned the entire guitar playing community collectively into the RCA dog. <laughs> it starts out with a bass solo. <laughs> so, with some flanger bass thing that I guess Eddie said before the album was released that it sounded like an animal charging forward like a rhino or an elephant, <laughs> which is that's what I've always pictured. I know that they like to do cover their producer, Ted Templeman, liked them to do cover songs because they were already halfway hits. So you might as well just take it, and they kind of Van Halenized it.
0: Yeah, and they did a ton of cover songs in their early days, a ton. It's out there on YouTube. You can hear a bunch of them. Oh, yeah.
2: Apparently, Ed didn't remember the uh, how the song went, and they had to hum it to him, even though he played it when his club days. But they really kind of Van Halenized this song. I just like the way the after the the bass solo... The way the bass kind of looms on to start the song, the dark brooding along with Alex rolling fills on the two and the four with the cymbal, and then Eddie's volume swells, which uh, originally come from a song called "Down in Flames," probably better known as "Tattoo." I just I've always liked this one. It's just a smoldering bluesy ballsy tune with the high background vocals and DLR squeals and tons and tons of attitude. All right,
4: Matt, your take. This is kind of funny because um when I first got this album, you know, I was doing like guitar lessons. I brought this album in because I wanted to learn actually um, what was going on with the next song on the album, the "Dance the Night Away." But my guitar teacher was kind of like an old school rock guy. He saw the that they did "You're No Good," and he was like, "He's like the Linda Ronstadt song." I was, <laughs> no, I was like, at the time, I was like, "I don't steal I, I, I my thunder." I was like, "I guess so." So I just remember him like. Totally blowing off why I wanted to learn. Rewinding the tape because he just had to hear what Van Halen did to a Linda Ronstadt song, and the look on his face, he was just like he was like in horror. He's like, <laughs> they totally mutilated the song. He's like, what the hell, <laughs> <laughs> you know? It, it, if, like the whole daily Lee Roth screams and stuff like every time he would scream he would wince kind of. <laughs> 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 I was sitting there, I was like I was, I was kind of like dosed in. I was like man this is my band like my guitar teacher at that time who was like my guitar hero is like dumping on Ben Hale <laughs> <and> I'm like, <laughs> like, I'm, like trying to, I'm like questioning myself well maybe Ben Hale really sucks you know? <laughs> I don't know but then I was like you know of course not. I was just like ah oh, screw it and then you finally went to the next song and like he actually showed me the technique that was being used, which is kind of cool. But I just remember, you know, him looking at the cassette tape and that like was the first thing that caused eye. was, they really did this? Holy shit. You know <laughs> I got to check this out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, that, that, that's my uh, recollection of hearing of of, of that song. That's like the memory. It pops in my head whenever I hear that song. All right. Shannon.
1: Well, this is definitely not your Linda Ronstance version of you're no good. And that was, of course, the version that all of us, I think, grew up on. <laughs> it's, you're no good. It's gorgeous, by the way, when she sang it. But when they these guys do it, it's like weird. It's wonky. The intro is very bizarre. Just like, you know, Ray dis- described, Ray P. And I, I I just would have never have guessed in a billion years that this, was, this would be the song they were actually going to perform. And then when it comes out, it's like, holy crap, it's like, it's down and dirty, it's like almost easy top, it's kind of bluesy. The harmonies are beautiful, but in the screaming guitar, and it, did you notice in between, like, like, you know, during like the actual chorus, there's like the screaming in between, that's like, you're no good, you know, <laughs> it's like, wow, she is serious, boy, no good.
0: <laughs> I don't know It's just
1: a really wild take On this song And I've always Associated it with, with Linda So it's it's kind of funny
0: Ray Z
3: Well uh, I think Ray P Actually He summed up like All the cool parts That I do actually like About this song I think the bass intro Is really kind of cool I mean Mike Anthony If you've ever seen Like Film clips with his bass solos—they're kind of jackass bass. Yeah, solos. they suck. But as bassist, yeah, that <laughs> yeah. that Jack Daniels bass just running around with a cape on, like yeah, that's cool. The live without a net, a net video. Yeah, it's yeah. Weird. The music I like—the music itself is moody and it's brooding. Um But I'll be honest—I'd never liked the Linda Ronstadt original. You know, oh, wow. know who does a great version of this song though? Bill Murray as Nick Winters, the lounge (laughs) singer. And it's like, have you ever seen that SNL skit where he sings it to her and, like, Linda Ronstadt's bodyguard punches him in the face? (laughs) You're no good. You're no good. You're no good. (laughs) Miss Ronstadt, you're no good.
1: (laughs) Right, you and I are always on opposite ends. What the hell?
3: <laughs> <I> <laughs> no, no, actually, <laughs> the music I like, but overall, I've never liked this song, so this one's going to have to go down as Ray's unimpressed musical pick. Whoa.
1: I mean, I love Van Halen, but this is the worst song on the album. <laughs>
0: uh, okay, I'm going to come right out and say it. This is Baron Stinky Stinker.
1: Holy crap, we agree
0: This is one of the very few songs In the Roth era Van Halen I can take or leave I don't despise it But why on earth They decided to open their second album With an uninspired cover tune Just baffles me That bass noodling at the beginning Sounds like a sick humpback whale <laughs> And the rhythm Is just plodding and aimless Ooh, 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 ooh. Man That poor whale. (laughs) Eddie's solo's decent. It's the track saving grace, but Dave completely misses the mark on this. I mean, for a simple breakup and I'm better off without you song, he sounds disconnected to me. This song (laughs) has been covered by a lot of people and they all do it better. But Linda Ronstadt really made the song her own and buries this. I do love the Linda Ronstadt version. But I'm not worried. Spoiler alert. After this, it's all gravy, baby. So let's hit the fast forward button to the next track. Dance the Night Away, written by Eddie Van Halen, Alex Van Halen, Michael Anthony, and David Lee Roth. P, what about this one?
2: Okay, this one is uh, inspired by the band witnessing a woman having sex with her boyfriend in open view at a club parking lot. Nice. And then she danced for the rest of the evening with her pants on backwards or inside out. (laughs) Originally, they wanted to call this Dance Lolita Dance, but Eddie convinced Roth to change the title to the same song title as the song on Cream's Disraeli Gears. And given Eddie's often cited major influence of Eric Clapton... I suspect that's where it came from. The song was written in the studio, supposedly inspired by Fleetwood Mac's Go Your Own Way in terms of the feel and structure.
0: You can hear it. Mm.
2: Yeah. Maybe. A lot of people say that this has got a... I can anyway. uh, Everybody says this has got kind of a Latin feel, but I've always felt like this one hinted more towards a Caribbean feel.
1: Um, Me too. That's what I thought as well, Ray. Honestly, I was like, okay, welcome to the Coke. Like, not, not the Copacabana, <laughs> not like Barry Manilow, but like, you know, yeah. no, but, but just it was just like, yeah. you know, Tropicana. Welcome to the well, Tropicana. It's it's and a, a it's bright like, and lively and it's bright.
2: Yeah, it's a bright poppy song. It rocks harder than a pop song of the time really should. It's got cowbell. And uh, I love the breakdown where Eddie says, Basically, the conversation I envision is Eddie saying, we need a song with the steel drum sound for the breakdown? Hell, no problem. I can make my guitar sound like that. (laughs) Just let me tap that right out. I mean, because that's what it sounds like to me. I thought, when I first heard it, I thought, is that a steel drum?
1: And he could, yeah.
2: So, I mean, yeah, this is... And who doesn't sing along to this song?
1: Uh, Come on,
4: it's my
2: turn, right? Aaron, it's
4: my turn, right? It's Matt's turn. Oh, come on! Oh, jeez. No, I I, I totally... This was probably... My favorite song on the whole album because of the the guitar work on there it was just so um creative it has like two major elements of his playing that you know pretty much throughout his whole career is, is is the tapping of the artificial harmonics on the guitar which at the time i had no idea what they were so it was kind of cool hearing it for the first time it's kind of magical just like hearing eruption for the first time you're just like you had no idea what was going on and we didn't have like YouTube back then just to pull it up and say, oh, that's what he's doing. You had to actually sit there and scratch your head, and it was, it was awesome. And the other part of his playing that a lot of people don't realize is the way he gets that sound is he uses a really quick delay, like an echo. So it kind of makes it sound like it, it, he does it, and he puts the, the delay on so it's so rhythmically perfect with his playing that it actually sounds like sometimes two guitars or some like another overdubbed part to it. That gives it that unique sound. And um, I could just listen to the opening of that song over and over and over again. It's like, you know, the tone of his guitar. I think he even used a different guitar on that because the the guitars that he always made, like the Frankenstrats, they call them, are so high output, he couldn't get that nice clean sound. So he actually, I think for this song, he threw together just a parts guitar of like Strat parts or something just so he could get that tone for that for with, that
2: with the with the telecaster pickup
4: yeah something with a telecaster yeah. to clean yeah. it up really good so I mean and, and that was one of the aspects about Eddie I really liked too is that his ingenuity he was always doing something creative not only musically but with his equipment to make people blow him away and be like I, I don't know one how he's playing it you know on the guitar and then two how is he even getting that sound once he pulls off the, the guitar playing what equipment is he using And a lot of times it was homebrewed stuff that it's one of those things that I like about Van Halen is, you know, not is his well Eddie is his, you know, inventiveness, both on the guitar and with his equipment. So, yeah, he paid a lot of attention mm-hmm. to the Sonics. He, oh, yeah, He did. And a lot of it was just, you know, he would fool out experimentation. He really wasn't very knowledgeable electricity or anything, but he would do things with it and sometimes it would fail and blow stuff up. Other times it would give him this unique sound that would stick <laughs> with him, you know. So, yeah, but the, the track itself, uh. I always always listen to this over and over. It always reminds me of Summertime. Yep, yeah, one of those great songs. Yep. Yeah. All right. All right, Shannon, let's have it.
1: I'm a little tongue-tied right now because I'm a little starry-eyed over my husband because every time he talks about music, I get a little bit like – I don't know. It's just really cool. <laughs> and I it's going to be forget. a good night, Matt. <laughs> 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 what the hell was I going to say? He knows I, I'm, so much stuff and I feel like – too
4: old. I'll be asleep on the couch.
1: <laughs> he always makes me feel like a teenage girl. It's so funny. I feel like a girl who's like, oh, with a tongue hanging out. And that's really how I feel. This is my favorite song on the album because it does have a Tropicana type of sound. It's very lighthearted. It's fun-loving. I think it's clean. I think it's so cool. In fact, I think it's almost departure of their old sound because they're about to venture into some areas that are very, very strange and varied. You know, you've got some grunge happening here. You've got some hip-hop. And I say hip-hop only in the respect of some of like the... Um, Dave will start talking in his... Ways.
0: Is isms Yes. Scat yes. Boys.
1: Thank yes. you. Yes. Yeah. And it, it yeah. kind of sounds like that to me. Like it's, you can almost like foresee where we're going futuristically. I think that's a very interesting way to go. But the song itself, it's so cool. It's just so fun loving. You can see people doing like, like some sort of like dance on the beach. It's great. But you can also see where we're going next.
3: All right. Ray Z. Wow, what can I say that hasn't been said already? This is a tough one. I used to not like this song when I first had Van Halen too. Like I between "You're No Good" and this one, I was like scratching my head. But this is a you're talking about like 15 year old Ray. Yeah. Um, but no, as years went by, I was like, This is a really well structured pop ditty wrapped up in a hard rock band. I think it's cool that they don't. I mean, this isn't like the solo you'd be expecting from Eddie Van Halen at this point. You know, you're expecting something like some dive bombs and some tapping or that crazy right-hand trem picking, which is just, like, I don't think he gets enough credit for just that. This song is really good. I think it's kind of funny how it's, like, over the last 20 years, it's, like, surfaced in movies again. Like, I guess they used it in Argo, uh, that Ben Affleck movie. Yeah. Um, Anchorman 2, they use it in the trailer of that. And they also use it in, uh, Adam Sandler used it in like two of his movies. One of them I think was uh, Grown Ups with like Kevin James and uh, some of the other guys
0: too. So uh, yeah, that's really all I have for Dancing Away. All right. Van Halen does a straight up pop tune and they knock it out of the fucking park. It's got cowbell, a great riff, nice vocals, amazing pre-chorus and a chorus that's redonkulously catchy. Eddie does a cool harmonic solo. The backing vocals are so sweet. Kudos to Michael Anthony. The lyrics are just about admiring a girl as she dances, wanting to catch her attention, and Ray P. said what the inspiration was. This goes beyond hard rock. How can anyone not like this song? This was the first single from the album that reached number 15 on the U.S. Billboard Hot 100 chart, Van Halen's first top 20 hit. The following track is Somebody Get Me a Doctor, written by Eddie Van Halen, Alex Van Halen, Michael Anthony, and David Lee Roth. I'm Ray P, your thoughts on this one?
2: Bring on the heavy artillery. I love the way the chords come crashing in and Alex's beat and the cymbal shimmer. And then that one, two, three, four, get ready for liftoff. That razor sharp rift is just so bludgeoning, picking up right where the debut left off. If you listen to On Fire and then put this on right after it, that is what 12-year-old Ray would just die for. You better call me a doctor feeling no pain, overloaded and down the drain. I love the lick that Eddie plays right before the solo. He's got more volume swells in this. On a side note, I'm gonna thank Doug Steele on YouTube for dissecting the songs and the solos. Because I have no I'm not a musician, I have no idea what they're doing, but just he made it make sense. The woo-woo, the fast picking on of Eddie like a car going out of just going around a curve, just about to go out of control. The short drum fill, and we're off. Bending that B string like he like it owes him money. He's got all that pentatonic noodling with the the neck and a nice vibrato pause before more wildness, um, ending with some vibrato and tremolo before the main riff comes back. This is a badass two minutes and 55 seconds of the song. It has a really great live sound to it. Somebody get me a shot.
4: (laughs) All right. Matt. So, as far as the song goes, I really, you know, it's just a rocker. So, uh, there's a party tune. It's funny because when this song came out, this was one of the first ones that I could actually play from beginning to end. And like, I would learn the solo note for note. And then like years later, I became a, uh, well, not probably like five years later, I got really into Hendrix. And then in this solo, there's like a, a lick in there. That's like pretty much verbatim. A, a Hendrix looks that you would hear on red house. And it was like, I always knew that, um, you know, Eddie Van Halen was a big um, blues fan, but mostly clapped. And, but for some reason, I always was like, "Well, you know, for his playing always reminded me more of Hendrix, not just because he made all the weird noises and it was all crazy, but just the his blues licks itself always reminded me more of Hendrix's blues licks than Clapton's." But everybody was always like, "No, oh, it's a Clapton thing," and that was, and so it was just kind of blew me away when I started tearing this song apart, and then later on tearing apart Hendrix and seeing, in my opinion, some major similarities because you know the the solo in this song is mostly. Just blues licks that at hyperspeed. Other than that, yeah, just surreal rocking, this partying song. And I enjoy this song a lot. All right. Shannon.
1: No, this is going to be embarrassing now because we've already heard, like, two, like, actual, like, technical breakdowns of this song. And you know what I first heard when this song came on? Like, I mean, I listened to it, like, a few times lately, obviously. What? <laughs> Do you, remember, do you remember the band Lynch Mob with George Lynch?
0: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah.
1: Through These Eyes <laughs> was the intro to oh, this song.
0: yeah, it kind of is. Hmm.
1: And I'm kind of embarrassed to say that well, maybe I'm not. I don't know. I just I'm saying I it was a likeness because it was an era of rock that I could relate to better because I was a little bit older. And when I was, you know, I was five when this album came out. So... It, it's a great tune, by the way. It's a good song.
3: <laughs> okay. <laughs> right on, right on. Rizzy. Oh, it's kind of funny. Um, I went and saw Van Halen back in, I think it was 2007 and, in Boston. And uh, that was the tour that they first got back together with David Lee Roth after the infamous Wise Magic 1997 fiasco yeah, yeah. that occurred. So I was expecting him to play you know, the, the, the hits that everybody wants to hear. But the second song in, they played this song. And I was, my jaw hit the floor because I've always loved this song. And it yeah. was like the one, I wouldn't expect it to come pop out of there. But from what I understand, I guess Wolfie sets like all the playlist up for yeah. all those shows. So I got to give kudos to Wolfie Van Halen for picking a great cut yeah. <laughs> to throw into the mix of their show. Um, I've always loved the riff for this. It's not like a stereotypical kind of, I mean, and I I say stereotypical and I don't want to. Clichés are clichés for a reason because they work, right? Yeah, It's not a clichéd Rock riff. It's got like a little bit of more syncopation. That yeah. you weren't hearing. Oh, it's a whole lot. I think. At least I wasn't hearing a, a lot like a lot of hard rock bands from that era. And I gotta admit, I, I read something. One there was a review of Van Halen. They, oh, they called it the David Lee Roth War Whoop. <laughs> <laughs> and we've all kind of mentioned the David Lee Roth War Whoop belong here. But like, if you're driving in the car and you've got this song cranking on the radio, you know you go whoop whoop. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Everybody, yeah. everybody. It's, yeah. it's, it's mandatory. Yeah. It's a great war whoop song. It's got great war whoop all over the place. Yeah. Great one. Great one.
0: Yeah, another kick-ass riff. Though I wish Ted Templeman had made the choice to pan the guitar hard left and the bass hard right on these early Van Halen records. Mm-hmm. I, I don't like how that sounds, especially through headphones. Mm-hmm. I get that he's like trying to widen the sonics or something. Is that why he's doing it? I'm not sure. Oh, like I have that, no idea. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's the kind of stuff like they did with the Beatles when they didn't know how to do the mono, right? They would pan mm-hmm. like the vocals to the side. Yeah. It's not a true stereo mix.
4: Well, it's funny though, because he had the when, – when they recorded like the guitar parts, he would hard pan the guitar to one side, but the other side was actually a reverb of the guitar part. Yeah. Oh. So, but, but it's very faint. So if you take one phone off – you actually just hear like an echoing of the guitar in the other side, which nowadays you know to get what they do to make the guitar parts bigger is they record it once, pan it left, and record it the second time and pan it right hard to get that wide effect. But that that was kind of like what they're going for was you know put the guitar part solid in one side and the other side just have like the echoing reverb in the other earphone. So it was like a primitive widening technique. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, for the time it was pretty much the technique, let alone doing overdubs, which, you know, I guess Van Halen, for my listening, they seem like a live band where they don't do many overdubs. It's just like they they hit record and they jam it out and that's it.
3: Yeah, from what I heard, Eddie hated overdubs in the beginning. He was like dead set against it. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah, Yeah, because you can hear even on these early records too, when he's soloing, all you hear is the bass. There's not a rhythm guitar underneath usually. You know, it's funny because
3: I've had lots of shitty car stereos over the years where, like, one speaker will inevitably go. Yeah. And Matt, Matt <laughs> yeah. what you just said, explain something to me. Because, like, I always get that little ghost of Eddie's Van Halen in the background and you're...
4: You're telling me your speaker went ba- speakers went bad and you had the Michael Anthony yes. side? Yeah, I did. I that happened did. to me, too. <laughs> my man. fucking Geo Metro, oh, man. man. My <laughs> left crapped
0: out. Man, garbage. So I listen to Van Halen and go, what the fuck? Where's <laughs> Eddie's guitar? Because I, did, I didn't know. I didn't know that they did this. And I just, yeah, you, like you just did, I just hear Michael Anthony, boom, 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 boom and, boom, and he's, like, playing
3: somewhere, like, in the Midwest somewhere, and it's, like, really loud and in Indiana. Yeah. But, like, you can't hear it in
0: I had, to, I, had, I had a buddy, this is a true story, I had a buddy in the service, right? So I I, I, I bring him in the car, I said, oh, Van Halen, they were awesome. He's like, yeah, I've, I've always wanted to hear him. So I put on Running With The Devil. All he hears is, boom, boom. Boom boom boom, <laughs> boom, 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 He's like, what? What's the fucking this thing? Is the world's greatest guitarist? All <laughs> I'm here, just He boom, couldn't boom, hear Eddie playing. <laughs> 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 um, so the ver- back to somebody get me a doctor the verses continually ramp up the tension and it doesn't stop it only releases it when the chorus comes in it's kind of a neat trick they don't resolve they don't like go up and mm. down don't resolve itself in the verses themselves you got to get to the chorus yeah for it for it to release The tone of this song isn't quite the party-hardy Van Halen we're used to and the lyrics reflect that. It's a drug abuse song. Feeling no pain, overloaded down the drain, speeding down that line, feeling high. Yeah, I bet Dave needs a doctor. (laughs) It's a typical, awesome Van Halen riff rocker that at this point in time, Eddie could seemingly pull him out of his ass. I love it. This was released as a single in Japan. The next track is Bottoms Up. Written by Eddie Van Halen, Alex Van Halen, Michael Anthony, and David Lee Roth. Ray P., how about this?
2: This one starts off very similar to LaGrange. Before the the band kicks in, I almost expect to hear that growling in that Texas town Mm -hmm, that he mm -hmm. likes to do. Um, And then Alex comes in with this. He channels his inner Keith Moon, Wall Falling Down Phil. On this one, for me, the bass really shines. Actually, the whole rhythm section does in this uh, Van Halenized ZZ Top Style boogie tune. The title is not the vaguest uh, double entendre I've ever come across in my life. <laughs> what
3: do you mean?
2: <laughs> I really like Eddie's first solo. His second solo, though, is a Face Melter. I, I know that they used to end their shows with this song in the first tour in 78. And actually, I like those versions a lot better than I like the studio version. There's some really good blistering ones out there. You can find them. This one's always kind of got me because I know a big part of Eddie's tone is from an overloaded reverb and gain turned to 11 without overloading the power into utter distortion and feedback. I know that's what he did, but I have no idea how he did it. So I like this song. It's just I I think I've heard this one too much.
0: You're a little burnt on it.
2: (laughs) Yeah.
4: Yeah. All right. Matt. Um, Yeah. A little bit. Like Ray said, the, the the whole boogie feel of it is kind of what threw me on it. The, I guess it did show off a little bit of, you know, Michael Anthony can do a little bit more than just like, you know, hammer out a one note bass line while everybody else went nuts on top of them, So it, it was kind of cool to hear them break away from this, the heavy rock rhythms. And I guess the pop rhythm is like stuff like um, uh, Dance the Night Away and just do something like a boogie. I, I like the song. Was it wasn't one of my most favorite songs on the album. But, um, yeah, it, it it was cool. And, um, and back to that, what Ray was mentioning about how he overloaded his guitar amp, he actually used a, um, a, a what they call a variac, which is kind of like a really heavy-duty light dimmer. So what he would do is he would get in trouble in gigs because he liked his Marshall 100-watt head amps, cranked all, every knob on 10. That's how he would get his tone. But then, you know, they would get kicked out of clubs and told not to come back because it was too loud. So he actually got this dimmer thing. So his amp was still all on 10 or 11, whatever Marshalls went to. And he would actually use this to cut the voltage to the amplifier. So instead of the amplifier getting a full like 120 volts, he would cut the voltage back to like 60 volts. So it was only doing half the power, but he's still getting the same tone because the amp was still cranked up all the way, which isn't very healthy for the amp- amplifier, especially the, the transformer. They would wreak havoc on the, the output transformer and kind of melt your amp a little bit. But um, that, that was his whole trick. I guess. I guess. I guess, when- I guess yeah. the story was he first tried it. He used like a regular light dimmer, like you would on your like for your dining room light, and I guess blew the fuses in his house. <laughs> 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 <And> his, <laughs> his parents were like, "What the hell?" You know, which is why I really like Eddie Van Halen because he just a, he's a tinker, and that's how I am. I'm always tinkering. This <laughs> but then, I guess he actually went to a, like a somebody who knew something about electricity. and Said, "This is what I want to do." <laughs> And when I did it, this is what happened. Do you have something I could do this with where I won't blow stuff up? And he's like, yeah, you need one of these. And so he gave him like, pretty much a heavy-duty late dimmer.
2: Didn't he also use Marshalls that were wired for England? So they weren't at 220. They were at, like, one whatever they're at. And he would plug those in and, like, blow up the whole neighborhood?
4: Yep, exactly. He, 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 I guess he bought the, the thing on, like, a I guess a, a Marshall amp on, like, a, one of those Craigslist type of things. It, yes. And he won it. It was from England. Yeah, so I had, like, the... What the, the plug for like 220 volts or, six, or 50 hertz power, do they use over there. Yeah. So. Comes really cheap.
2: <laughs> <laughs> it's a deal, man. Let's do it.
0: <laughs> all right, uh, Shannon, it's your turn for this song.
1: Bottoms up. OK, so I am all on board, especially right off the bat with what Ray said. It is totally ZZ Top inspired. I thought of LaGrange as well. I think it's, it's very cool but they kind of switched it up again. It's, um, you know, they went from like fun-loving beach groove to like, you know, kind of, well, definitely blues, Texas blues even. And I, I think it almost has its own place. And I love the layered harmony. And I'm sorry, you guys, but I do like that ba-ba-ba baby thing. <laughs> I, I think it's really, really
0: cool. I, I th- do too, I'm with you. Yeah, No, same, I'm i loving it. I think it
1: was really, really well orchestrated. I think they pulled this one off beautifully.
3: Ray-Z. I just like how they sound like they're cracking up on one round through of it. Yeah, I get they're Roth is cracking yeah, just laughing. Yeah. Now I've always liked the song. This is like one of those songs. Well, kind of like Ice Cream Man. Kind of like when they cover the full bug, or when they are right down to I guess the pinnacle. It would be for Hot for Teacher for them. But uh, these guys could swing like motherfuckers. Yeah. And a lot of it goes right to Michael Anthony and uh, and Alex because I can think too. <laughs> yeah, those two guys together. I I really like them and I think. Mike Anthony did some really – he it's funny because I used to bag on him something fierce as a kid. But really – and there's a couple parts in this album where you can hear he could actually did know what he was doing, I think. Um, he's got some sweet little bass fills on some parts. Like even later on down the line when they actually let him cut loose a little bit, he could do some stuff. But uh, yeah, but then you got like running with the devil, which is kind
6: of – Yeah. Yeah.
1: To me, I think he always filled in the basics beautifully. I mean, he could do the 4-4 all the time. It could be anything that was very basic musically. But what I think really shined about him was his vocal style. He is the filler of Van Halen. And that's what I think newer fans or even like people that have come along later, they forget, is that he was a backbone, the harmony. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Oh yeah, if you look at the sound. It, oh yeah, if, the, if their
3: whole sound is like a, a thumbprint, that's an irreplaceable groove that you have yeah. to have in there, and that, yeah. then that's Van Halen. Yeah. Other than that, I think um, I love the intro for this. I think it's almost like a precursor to one of my favorite Van Halen songs, "Just Take Your Whiskey Home," with that little acoustic guitar intro. Mm-hmm. But that kind of that like in the back, kind of quiet, the little, little shuffle played in the background, uh, it's good. And uh, yeah, this is one of my favorite songs in the entire album. Yeah.
0: So. Uh, it's got that loose, jammy feel, which is good because it's nothing more than a drinking song. It is very reminiscent of LaGrange by ZZ Top. I want to say that they covered Z, uh, LaGrange in the club days. I think I'm they did. i pretty sure yeah. they did. I know yeah. they played some ZZ Top. Yeah. I, I, know, I think they did uh, uh, Beer Drinkers and Hellraisers, too. They, they did a few ZZ Top songs. Uh, the lyrics are all about drinking, dancing, and partying. Another catchy chorus, as usual. Eddie's guitar tone has a real snarl to it. It growls like an angry bear that got awakened early from hibernating. It's pissed off. Alex gets in a few nice fills, and Eddie gets a couple of solo sections, again, loose, almost sloppy. I think, Matt, you described it to me once that he's sloppy, but it it fits so nice.
4: Yeah, I I heard his, I think he self-described it one time as somebody falling down the stairs, but then landing on their feet. Done that.
1: Yeah. (laughs) So he's a cat.
2: Yeah. Or Willy Wonka.
0: (laughs) Willy Wonka or a
1: cat. Wow,
6: that's...
0: Whoa. <laughs> dave Lee Roth doesn't just bring the party. He is the party. He said so himself. He throws in his dave and he leads the breakdown section where he repeats, you know, Come on, 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 on baby, bottoms up. That's for on, you, Ray on. P. <laughs> <laughs> uh, with Michael and Eddie singing along with him, with just Alex accompanying on drums, I really dig that section. Of course I dig this song. It's just a fun, party hearty song. You know, it's Van Halen. Mm-hmm. The following track is Out of Love Again, written by Eddie Van Halen, Alex Van Halen, Michael Anthony, and David Lee Roth. Ray P, your thoughts on this?
2: Okay. This one was inspired by Tower of Power's What is Hip, as it's funky and groovy, while the lyrics provided by David Lee Roth touch on a familiar theme of falling in and out of love. Incidentally, the man at the center of the Balco scandal, Victor Conti, was the bassist for Tower of Power. Hmm. Hmm. Bet you guys didn't know that. I didn't. I learned know. that from another podcast. <laughs> <laughs> what you've been seeing other podcasts? Yeah, I know. I'm sorry. I feel like <laughs> such a whore. Um, <laughs> I just uh, this
0: just this don't song, forget your roots, Ray Yeah, <laughs> that's right.
2: That's right. It, it starts off with a Hendrix meets another kind of alien style feedback with Eddie Newlin on his guitar until uh, Michael Anthony rumbles in with that eighth note on his bass. And uh, Alex crashes in with all the subtlety of Keith Moon again, (laughs) that chugging bass line, and then Eddie's womp, 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 wow, that is just infectious to me. I've always loved this song. And you guys mentioned that Alex before, you know how when you listen to a, a familiar song over and over, and then some days you just focus in on something new? I did this with the drums on this one, and was blown away. Alex must burn like a thousand calories playing this song.
0: Kills it. (laughs) It's just,
2: he's just playing his ass off. He's just massive fill after massive fill over that shuffle beat. And he's just uh, on top of everything here. The lyrics, pardon my French, this is cock rock to the nth degree. (laughs) And Ross Delivery is just full of funk. So...
1: I think you were spot on too. By the way, I think one of the striking elements of this album is Alex's playing. I've said that to Matt before. I'm like, wow, it's just so really, really cool. And well,
2: I know Eddie wanted to bring his brother up a little bit because he yeah did his first album he thought it was kind of he was kind of buried in the mix a bit. But I just this song in particular, I don't I don't even know what the timing is for the time signature. It's just hmm. insane. So I love how the band comes to a stop in mid-flight right before the first solo. And then Eddie makes that guitar squeal like a cracked out steam organ in his death <laughs> pangs. <laughs> and then it starts back again and comes back to that other stop. But with this one, with, the, with an album full of so many great songs, this is my favorite and always has been. Exactly like 1984's Girl Gone Bad, everyone in the band is firing on all cylinders and taking the band to a completely different dimension on this song.
0: Matt, what's your take? What he said. Yeah, <laughs> I know, I think so, they're
4: all gonna so, go that way. So I way. can't like really add anything to that, but it, it's pretty. I I just remember when I first heard this song that the the guitar part in the verse, like the bam 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 bam, whenever I used to hear that, I used to always think of like some like '70s funky kind of like crime TV show. <laughs> and, yeah, and like, that would be like the music in the background when they're trying to follow somebody in a car but not get noticed. You know, that kind <laughs> of like, intense, kind of laid back, kind of funky job music going on. <laughs> So, Shannon, what are your thoughts?
1: So this is kind of funny, and I'm not sure exactly when the album came out, but what sometimes it makes me think of is Barracuda by Heart. There's something about this song that kind of makes me think of it. Do you think there's any possibility in a billion years that they could have been influenced by it? Because I can hear it. Sure. For whatever reason.
3: Sure. Well, the Wilson sisters claimed that Eddie was trying to hook up with one of them when they played <laughs> somewhere. Oh, I did <laughs> Only one of them? Yeah, I think he was like going after Nancy. He had, <laughs> he had nothing for Anne. But, yeah. I know,
1: right? It had be Nancy. Yeah, but I thought Anne was the sexiest of the two. But still, it's funny that I made the connection to this song because for whatever reason, that's what I hear in the riffs going throughout it. There's like this, this feeling of it. To me, if, if you want to know, I, I tend to think of other songs. The only reason why is because I think everybody's inspired by something. That's how we create. It's always about inspiration.
0: Crazy.
3: <laughs> um, I love the shit out of the drums on this song. For me, yeah. this is like Led Zeppelin meets The Meters Yeah, because it's, so, it's just so fucking funky. Um, I love it. I also like uh, Eddie's solo. He's got like this, the second solo he does at first where he's just kind of like, just messing around like with the, yeah, the yeah. Uh, harmonics, like all of Billy Gibbons. But the second one he does has this really weird chicken clucking quality to that. <laughs> <laughs> I really, enjoy it. I, I got it. That is awesome. <laughs> <laughs> that is awesome. Yeah. <laughs> one more time. No, I I won't. <laughs> But I like it. And another part of the solo that he does, where the second pass through with the solo, there's this, one of his trademark kind of like note choices. Like if you listen to his solo to uh, Push Comes to Shove, that he does almost a little bit of a variation on that in this song too. But I'm not going to fault him for like ripping himself off just because it just sounds so fucking cool. Yeah.
0: So, no, nothing wrong with this song. It's one of my favorites. All right. Well, so like I said, that guitar buzzes in like a swarm of bees, and then Michael's fast pluck bass ushers in a. Low down funky little riff and another oddly structured song. This one belongs to Alex, as we've all been saying. His drumming is just all over the kit, off kilter rhythms and fills, just incredible. The terms verse and chorus are kind of loose here. The track almost feels like the guys got into the studio, did some freeform jamming, and Dave put some lyrics to it. And those lyrics are about the narrator hearing that his woman's gonna leave him, but fuck that, he's leaving first, and she stares at him in disbelief. I love the didn't you? Didn't you? Backing (laughs) vocals. Yeah, that is pretty Uh, awesome. Little touches like that that they do, I love. (laughs) But the star of this track is Alex Van Halen, big time underrated drummer, and we're putting an end to that now. Fuck yeah. And the war whoops. (laughs) (laughs) So let's flip the imaginary record over and drop the imaginary needle on Light Up the Sky, written by Eddie Van Halen, Alex Van Halen, Michael Anthony, and David Lee Roth.
5: Turn.
0: Ray P., what do you think about this?
2: Okay, here the band just straight up punches the listener in the face. It starts off with that really cool Mike and Eddie running past each other on the ascending and descending lines, that snare crash boom, some sweeping guitar licks. I have no idea, and I refuse to look up the lyric sheets on this one. It's got that mush mouth lyrics that are supposedly inspired by Jack Kerouac's On the Road. Um, Okay. (laughs) Okay. So isn't that like a beat poet guy, like an Allen Ginsberg dude? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. He
3: was like the guy. Yeah. 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 And a product of Lowell, Massachusetts.
2: Yeah. So I just like how Eddie and Mike are really going off. I love the pick slides. They may be flashy, but they are so damn cool in this song. So until Eddie rips that solo, it's it's a clinic in lightning fast picking scales, bending strings, vibrato, and tremolo. The drum shuffle breakdown is just cool. The background vocals just take over the song, and the, I love the way the band plays the song out and brings it to a crashing light 'em up ending. It's a great song,
4: Matt. What do you think? Yeah, um, I, I guess you, I can only describe this song as you know, is just Van Halen. It's like you hear it right away, and it has all those pieces of what make Van Halen. Van Halen is just pretty much what a lot what was just said by Ray. And I never really knew what the lyrics meant. I guess when I was young, I was just like, I what are they lighting up and what's in the sky i'm thinking like fireworks and stuff i was a little kid Now as i get older it's, it's almost like conspiracy theorist type crap you know it's like some the lyrics of like a paranoid guy so i um, all in all this a uh, rocking song and i don't can't really much, say much more than that all right shannon
1: open your eyes it's got to be about aliens and you know, and I did ask Matt about this a little bit earlier. I'm you like, and the "What fucking you- aliens?" <laughs> <laughs> aliens. You know?
3: And Sammy Hagar wasn't even
0: lightin' lyrics <laughs> at this point. But they're are the not aliens. Eddie
1: is an alien.
0: <laughs> yeah, that, come yeah. on,
1: leave Springsteen out of this. You always, you always bring this, aliens okay? into every
0: album. Bruce Springsteen you know, writing about Bruce, aliens. Bruce
1: is out of this. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, he went to Broadway. What do you think about that? Wasn't that like a, a, an alien hijack? But besides- I just, I just be. saw
2: that album today. Could be. <laughs>
1: But yeah, no, I, it's, 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 it is flat out hard rock. It's a really cool tune. It is signature Van Halen. Um, I do love all the riffs. I love the patterns of the drums and the, the bass and everything. It just makes you feel somehow just good. It makes you feel like you're part of a different time. And it was, it's pretty cool.
0: All right. Ray Ray Z. The
3: song kicks all types of ass. It's got a killer main riff to the song. It's kind of like, I think Ray said, punches you right in the face. Um, it just kind of moves right along Four on the floor And it's like a locomotive It just does not re- It doesn't relent Actually it does kind of It balls you in a sense of Okay everything's No, Nope then they beat you over the head again Which is really kind of cool Listen like I think this song is a great example Of Michael Anthony's bass work Actually being really good yeah. Especially like in that little Kind of quiet breakdown oh, What the fuck he's singing about I don't know His bass looks <laughs> are fucking nasty And Ed, Ed's got those crazy Like, tre- like that crazy right hand tremolo Picking in his solo And uh that's i, I like like almost as much as the tapping truth be told and then you got the, like raid mentioned a uh, really cool drum breakdown at the end which is got was kind of, a, kind of a weird kind of like i don't know how to describe it it's not quite the drum breakdown for um children of the grave but it's not quite uh norland's funeral walk it's 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 its, it's own thing with like
0: little bits of both i mm-hmm. think so that's what i have for All light of right. the sky oh fuck yes this is one of the heaviest tracks in the Van Halen catalog, and this is the track I would have opened the album with. Imagine yeah, hearing fun, that guitar yeah. and bass coming in and then blasting in that—that's a palm-muted riff, right? that's something Van Halen didn't do very often. No, another unconventional structure. I love the little pause in the pre-chorus. Dun, 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 dun. Dan, and it goes, that little pause, shit like that draws my ear in, and I love it. I think that's really cool. All the players get to shine. Michael's backing vocals and little bass flourishes. They're not gaudy, but they're there. Alex tears it up again in the breakdown section. This guy is owning this album. Eddie is Eddie Van Halen. Enough said. Dave's vocals are urgent, and I love the lyrics. But I gotta tell you, like we've all kind of been saying, we don't know what the fuck he's talking about. Now I read it; it's about smoking pot, but I don't know. The imagery is cool as shit, though. I dig the vocals in the "Open Your Eyes" section. I think that's really cool too. That's cool. I'm looking at you, Michael Anthony, and I love the last "Light Up the Sky" with the effects on the vocals. Kind of, is it like a is it phased or a, or a, I don't know. Yeah, it's really really cool. Mm. This track kicks so much ass. Light 'em up. The next track is "Spanish Fly," uh, written by Eddie Van Halen, Alex Van Halen, Michael Anthony, and David Lee Roth. You <laughs> that, got the credit. <laughs>
6: sure it was. <laughs> sure it was. Just in case you didn't
1: know.
4: Well, it's one guy playing, the other three are standing around going, "Hey, that's pretty cool. That's pretty good." <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs>
0: what do you say
2: well i know this was recorded on ovation nylon string guitar which was like when i think of a nylon string guitar i'm thinking cheap i know the idea for edward to record this uh came from ted templeman who after watching edward fool around with an acoustic guitar at a new year's eve party he said hey we should do that it starts with that little mumble which to me it's eddie but i know some people say it's dlr i don't know um It just sounds like you're trying to wake somebody up, you know, like they're just, you know, it's way too early and they're not used to waking up before noon and you're in there at nine o'clock going, come on, dude. (laughs) 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 Not being a musician, this song was always kind of lost on me. I recognized the the Flamingo guitar style and the nod and wink at the song title. So, I mean, I was 12, but I still knew what a Spanish Fly was. I'd seen a Hustler magazine. (laughs) Yeah,
3: that's the thing you can order in the background. Order Spanish? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah.
2: That's right. Yeah, right next to the X-ray specs. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> I've always I always wanted, wanted a pair of those, too. <laughs> I, I, I,
3: wa- I, wa- I wanted both badly. Oh, They had those in the back <laughs> of comic <laughs> books. Yeah, yeah. yeah, Or the magnet <laughs> ring. You remember that one? Yeah.
1: <laughs> um, All right, boys. <laughs> yeah, I,
2: just I didn't know that... I thought Eddie was just playing. I thought he was just picking fast. I didn't know that he was doing tapping... Hammer-ons and pull-offs on this song until I went to YouTube and saw all these. There's like eight million people out there that'll stripe a guitar for anything. Oh,
3: that's like a humbling experience. If yeah. you think you're okay on a guitar, all you need to see like an eight-year-old Romanian girl play "Eruption" <laughs> or Spanish Fly, Nope for No and you're just yeah, like, right? "All right, yeah, okay,
6: great, thanks."
3: And you're
2: like, I mean, I was always impressed with the people that could do it on rock band, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, or Guitar Hero, whichever one that was. I know this is a song that's just really highly regarded by guitarists, but. I'm not a guitarist, so it sounds like noise
4: to me. Sorry, Matt. You're a guitarist. Is, are, is this highly regarded to you? Yeah, it, it was. It's kind. Of, it's kind of funny because at the time when I first heard a song, I, I did not. I was really young, and I did not know what Spanish Fly was. I just, so we had this thing at school. We had music class, and every week somebody got to bring in a song and play it for the class and say, "This is like I like this song a lot." I think it was like I was in second grade, maybe first. And so everybody's, so yeah, exactly. You're laughing already. So everybody's bringing in their tapes, and it's like, I, I can't think of it, but this think of you know, wheels on the bus, type of stuff like that. And it's my turn to get up there. And I was like, I, this is a song I brought in because I was like really blown away by it. I was like, it's called Spanish Fly. And I see the music teacher's face. Just like, me- like, like, just go to like, like, shh, pure panic. Like, what the hell are you going to play for the class? You know what, like, hope there's no lyrics to it. Good this thing guy, there's no words to got to say. <laughs> I go downhill fast and cause somebody a job, probably at this point. So, <laughs> so I just throw it in, and play, it, and it's, you know this guitar thing. It's like pure relief on the teacher's face. But uh, yeah, that's why. whenever I hear this song, I always laugh because I always remember that my music teacher's face with, like pure horror and I'm playing a song called like Spanish Fly for a bunch of elementary students. Could you imagine some kid
2: doing that with Frankie Says Relax with... <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
4: exactly. it like, like a record burning after that, you
0: know? Did <laughs> you see Matt like walking, yeah. hey, you know Spanish Fly? <laughs> <laughs> well, Matthew, we don't talk about these types of things in class, so...
4: <laughs> go take your right? seat you know,
2: home with your mother
4: <laughs> <laughs> but yeah it's, it's, i i mean i i love it just because you know it's a guitar thing and fit the copy of inhale one they had to throw Seriously? in like a guitar solo thing in there to make all their guitar solo the quit for a little while and yeah. discuss <laughs> but it, it, it was cool i like it a lot all right shannon Oh no. oh no! And I want to tell you that. Oh, it's the lawsuit. Yeah, sorry.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, really. really cool Actually, I like it too. I think it's a very, very sweet little couple minutes. Um, there's so many harmonics, but but there are but that's kind of you know resonant through the entire album. I love the acoustic part and how it you know turns into the electric part, and I do hear the eruption as well. But um you know what it kind of resembles to me to some degree in terms of the uh, the pick- or the, uh, the fingering style is um a little bit of Paganini like maybe he might have been inspired and I know nothing about this song so I'm talking about this like I'm talking about like you know aliens with Springsteen. well.
0: <laughs> <laughs> <Crazy.
3: laughs> No, uh,
1: <laughs>
3: <laughs> this song is so fucking good. I the first time I heard Eruption, that was like a total life changer for me too. Um, but I'll tell you, like now, so many years down the line, having listened to both pieces back to back several times, I think I almost like this one better than Eruption. Hmm. There's Bold like a real statement. Yeah, I know. <laughs> there's like a real percussive quality to his playing on it, and there's a part like right before he goes into like the the standard Eddie arpeggio tapping that's kind of like eruption where he's like playing some sort of runs and there's like a he's accenting a couple different parts of the the, the note run and just like they come out and they smack you in the face as you're listening to it so um i, I there's i can't say a bad thing about this track yeah. i could listen to it quite a
0: lot yeah eddie gives the acoustic guitar nylon string guitar the eruption treatment and i'm not sure how much input the other members had on this But it's just jaw-dropping, fucking insane. At this point in time, Eddie Van Halen had taken the mantle over from Jimi Hendrix and was king of rock guitar. The following track is D.O.A., written by Eddie Van Halen, Alex Van Halen, Michael Anthony, and David Lee Roth. And I'm alone, I'm on the highway. Ray P, what do you say?
2: Oh, that ominous bend, first distorted chord. The tremolo bar lets you know that this song is going to blow your front door off. The pig slide, the fret sweep, before that crunchy staccato punk sludge caveman riff. This one just hits you right between the eyes. And I think this is their heaviest song. I know you said that you thought the other one was. I think this one is. This is heavier than Light Up the Sky to me. This song is just so chunky, heavy, and coming straight at you. It's always a sing along for me with a DLR and his burnout vocals and just doesn't give a fuck attitude lyrics. A dirty faced kid in a garbage can. Come on, that's awesome. I just I, I love the the break solo and how the song resets with that wallop from Alex and then the song just picks up speed and how it just keeps going and going until the end and that counter riff Eddie plays at the very end right before the song fades out is just it's all parts of awesome. That
4: all right, Matt. Yeah, I, I agree that this is probably, to me, the heaviest song on the album. I think this song could have been probably released years later and would have been, you know, like, during the 90s when we had, like, that heavy rock movement going on, could have been released then and would have fit in fine as, you know, a new song. That whole guitar riff with the, the the bend in it, I always used to love playing along with that because it was one of the easier riffs that I could actually play, but it was very effective. And... um I think this might be my favorite song. Well, "Dance Night Away" probably my first, but this probably close to number two is the my favorite song on the album. All right, Shannon.
1: I have to agree completely with Matt. It's kind of funny because I think "Dance Night Away" is my favorite my favorite song, but I think DOA comes in right behind it. It's very grungy. It's an introduction to what's to come once again, and I love the drumming in this song. I love how he switches up. The actual, like you know, signatures, what, whatever he's doing, he, it's like everything is just so cool, and I think it's Alex that actually owns this song because whenever I hear it, it's it's he's the one that leads, and I can hear the bass and the guitars following it, and of course Dave's vocals, but it's it's just so cool and groovy but dark, and yes, my favorite era of rock and roll is grunge.
3: <laughs> Rizzy. Well, I think one of the things I like about this song, among many different things, it's the riff is almost kind of loose and sloppy. Eddie's using like every string on that guitar, between like you know hitting muted strings and whatever, but to great effect. You know, he gets his point across, which is really cool. It's got dark lyrics. And uh, Dave and Eddie, I think on this song in particular, he's had, had like a great call and response moments, and spe- especially on this song, especially like when from the day my Ma- mama toy boy, you go pack your bags, the Eddie like answers him back with like some guitar yeah. stuff. On yeah. it, too. But that, I think there's a couple different points in that in this song where that actually happens. But um, kind of like what Ray kind of touched upon. What I like is the end where like it's like this build up, but this rave up. But like I. It ends weird, like you expect them to keep out. They could have kept on going and speeding up and fading out. Fading out, that's but then, what you expect. But then they slam the door on yeah. it, and they have this repetitive... Yeah. And I thought that was really kind of quirky and cool. So this song is
0: the bomb diggity, yo. <laughs> this is one of my very favorite Van Halen deep cuts on any album. This is in my top 20 favorite Van Halen songs ever. It might even be in my top 10. That's how much I dig this one. It's that simple, badass riff. I love, I love it. Which Eddie tweaks here and there. What, what's it? That that bend part. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I love that so <laughs> yeah. much. It just grabs me. It shakes me around like a German Shepherd with a chew toy. <laughs> I think I dig it so much because it's got that dark vibe to it. It feels like it could be on Fair Warning. Mm-hmm. This could, this track could easily be put on there. Yeah, good point. The yeah. lyrics are about a kid from the wrong side of the tracks who finds himself in trouble with the law and he's wanted dead or alive. Dave sings it in a lower voice, this ain't no party song. The jury look at me say, out of luck. (laughs) Nice. This tune has one of my favorite Eddie solos on the record. It's Fast and Furious, and I love how it just speeds up toward the end like we've all been saying. Fuck me sideways, this track is awesome. Oh, yeah. The penultimate track is Women in Love, written by Eddie Van Halen, Alex Van Halen, Michael Anthony, and David Lee Roth. Ray P, let's have it.
2: Well, just like Ice Cream Man was dedicated one to the ladies, this is one for the ladies. (laughs) It's, uh, It's just got that really unique intro. It's one of Eddie's most creative uses of harmonics and tapping and introduction. It's just a beautiful lick that he plays. And then he comes in with that swaggering riff with the thumping bass bottom. Man. And uh, I love the fact that this is a song about Roth losing a woman to another woman. <laughs>
3: oh, um, I never picked up on that. Oh, <laughs> yeah, you gotta listen it to the lyrics. like it. That's awesome. Um, and he doesn't sounds. like it. <laughs> <laughs> I know. What's up,
5: awesome, man?
3: Diamond Dave, you have worked out some sort of deal and got in on the mix, man. I'm sure. Sorry. That
2: this, song, <laughs> this song is just—it's kind of like a slow boil. The dynamics are really slight in the verses, and then they get, the, the music gets really brutal for the chorus. And just goes back and forth, keeps switching. It's an excellent signature backing vocals once again. It's not really a solo, but some pentatonic chromatics that he's he's playing. Did I get that right? Mm-hmm. Guitar players? Um, mm-hmm. Absolutely. And my favorite yeah. part of this song is the mounting tension that Ed creates with his jamming leading to the song's conclusion. I, I love this song, but it, like I said, it's really one for the ladies. Uh, when I was 12, I kind of went, huh? So... <laughs>
0: but,
4: I've grown to like it,
0: Matt. What do you think?
4: Yeah, uh, just one of the songs that I would just play over and over and over again. Just the uh, you know, the, like Ray mentioned, the opening harmonics on it, just really cool Eddie-isms on the guitar, you know. And um, the, the the feel of the song was just it was light, but at the same time, the, the guitar tone itself was so rude. It was just like the you know the Eddie Van Halen Brown sound they all talk about is like you know, it's such a heavy rock. Tone for a guitar, but somehow he makes it work in a song that's not a heavy song. And um, I just thought it was, you know, just brilliant playing and on all parts. And you know, the singing, this classic Van Halen singing, and uh, just a one of the songs he's put on. And just you know, you you can either listen to it really intently to figure out the parts, or it's a great song to have on the background just to uh, set a mood, which is you know always gave me a you know pretty lighthearted feeling. So yeah, I like this song a lot, Shannon.
1: I think the the actual title is fitting, and I think it's very sweet. Women in love. There's that yes. What the two previous have said. There's that more the harmonic, apping, and then the lovely electric soloing. I think it's a really cool tune. I think the main song is very dramatic. It there's something really strange about it. There's like these the, the weird like chorus that's like an awesome harmony that's like in between. There's a lot of different elements going on here and yes women are awesome
0: yay <laughs> hey, women here here <laughs> rizzy <laughs> the song is goes into a
3: long tradition of van halen for like really cool little solo intros or little eddie intros into songs like um I'll hear about it later um, but it's just him and yeah I, I love the little harmonic stuff he's got out there and what's this, the last track on Women and Children first right uh, In a Simple Rhyme In a Simple Rhyme that's yeah. another great little intro that's, and this is right in that canon uh, without a doubt um, the chorus is catchy as all hell and uh, Ray Peek kind of because uh, you were saying the solo I like the solo too what he's doing is it's, uh, the trill and if you're listening to the song Black Sabbath by Black Sabbath that's that like two note like back and forth thing that Tony Iommi plays mm-hmm. um which is kind of like what he's doing here. Which is kind of, It's an interesting choice to how to do a solo, and I like that. Yeah. He could have taken it in any direction, but to do that is kind of uh, unique, I thought. So uh, the song's got,
0: got my vote. All right. Well, cool intro with harmonics. Yay, like we've all been saying. <laughs> leads to that slow, grinding rocker that plods along and matches the kind of sad mood of the lyrics. Dave is heartbroken because he thinks his woman is in love with another woman and he tells her to leave if that's how she feels. She needs to make up her mind if it's him or her. I'm surprised he didn't go for the threesome angle.
3: I know, I know. (laughs) Man. Oh, he probably originally did, and yeah. Ted Templeman was like, "Dave, Dave, this is 1979. Come
0: on, Dave, give me a break." Yeah. <laughs> there were,
1: hey, what about the women's movement? Come on.
0: <laughs> what about it? <laughs> David Lee Roth probably
3: liked it from behind. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I stole that from Rush Limbaugh. <laughs> oh man, <laughs> I love the pre-chorus. So all these crazy women—that's my yeah. favorite part of the song, right there. That's a great part. Uh, the backing vocals are outstanding in the pre-chorus and the chorus. This is kind of a shift from the more high-energy tunes of most of the rest of the album. And it's not a favorite of mine, but I still dig it, man. I'm never going to skip it or anything. You know, I mm-hmm. mean, I'm with it. I'm with it. <laughs> And that brings us to the final track, Beautiful Girls, written by Eddie Van Halen, Alex Van Halen, Michael Anthony, and David Lee Roth. What a sweet clock, now with a
5: little bit of mic, we're done, you're head around. Preach from the sea with the looks to me like she likes to fool around. What a snappy little mammy, gonna keep a pappy happy and accompany me.
0: Ray P., let us have it.
2: Hey, let's go drinking on the beach, look at the girls, and try to pick some up.
0: Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um,
2: Just like how happy is pure Keith Richards, this is pure Diamond David Lee Roth, before he went over the top. Um, (laughs) Before? (laughs) Originally written as an ode to strippers. Uh, Yeah. Um, God bless him. The song was originally known as Bring on the Girls. The lyrics were changed due to some label pressure because they felt it was a little too risque.
0: Come on, Dave, give me a break. It was 1979.
2: Come on. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Sit down right here. Woo la la. I think I got it now. Uh, It's got a fun opening rip with some good interplay between Mike and a nice vote from Alex. It's just a happy go lucky song with attitude and a sense of not taking themselves too seriously. This song just strolls along with some menacing flashes from Eddie. And some nice squealing licks, background vocals really elevate this one, and it just it, it ends perfectly with the smooch. The, yeah. <laughs> and the faint little laugh at the end of that. So,
4: <laughs> all right, Matt. Yep, um, it really struck me as the song that was made to be like radio friendly. So I guess the changing of the title, I guess, really makes sense now that I didn't realize that was was going to be originally called. So, yeah, it sounded like this song was probably more of a, um, I I don't know for a fact, but it sounded like more like a Ted Templeton type of thing, trying to get them to write something that's going to be like, we'll get rotation on regular radio stations and try to get like a hit single. And, uh, but I mean, it still had all the elements of Van Halen, had great guitar playing, the vocal harmonies and all that stuff going on. And uh, it just seemed like a real low key kind of safe move on Van Halen to make this song. All right. Shannon?
1: Yeah, I like this song. You do? I do. I'm a woman. Yes, I love it. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> Me I too. I agree with everything.
1: Me too. There it was.
6: I mean, I, think that's
1: <laughs>
2: I mean, about loving the song, not about being a woman. Oh my
1: God, that was so gorgeous. Oh my God, that was the best moment. That
2: was the best
0: time joke in <laughs> the had. All right. That it, Shannon? Yeah. <laughs> okay. All right.
2: <laughs> All right.
3: Ray Z. Uh, because I am a creature who is fed on pop culture and late night TV and, and comedy and stuff like that. Years ago, I'm talking about when Chris Farley and Adam Sandler were both still on Saturday Night Live. They did this mock beer ad where these two guys go up to a pool. There's nothing in there. It's this burnt out mansion. And Chris Farley like, this is going to suck and Adam Snyder's like, wait, and he turns on the water <laughs> and all of a sudden the pool fills up, it becomes this huge party and all these male Chippendales dancers start popping out yeah, of the water and they're playing this song in the background, it was called Schlitz Gay if you're a gay man with, with a thirst <laughs> yeah. for beer, and is making fun of like all the sexist beer ads that were yeah. happening in the 80s, and it's totally funny yeah. but every time I hear the song, I kind of just picture like <laughs> Chris Farley like taking his sunglasses and putting them up, he's like looking at some guy walking around the pool in the banana hammock. <laughs> so,
1: wow. We are on different ends of the spectrum. <laughs> right? yeah, I, know.
3: <laughs> I know. So, yeah, no, this song is this—it's a sick riff. I got to say, uh, Mike Anthony has some really kind of clever little bass fills kind of answering the riff, like in the intro. Um, the verse section great. The chorus section is great. And as far as the bridge section goes... That's one of those things that if I'm sing uh, driving around listening to it, I don't know what they're saying. I'm like, money, your head
6: around."
3: I really don't know what exactly they're saying, and I'm too fucking lazy to look up the lyrics, so I just mush my mouth my way through it every fucking time. Remember
2: to have money and daddy and some fucking thing.
3: So yeah, it's that's a
2: sweet talking honey with a little bit of money to turn your head around. Thank is. you. Okay.
3: All right. It is. I'll still fuck it up. Gotta right. ask it's the professor. I, yeah. I know. You got it. <laughs> I'll still mess it up, but. I'll, I'll, I'll try i'll attempt to do it the right way when i'm in the car doing my ford focus karaoke so that's about it it's a great song great
2: way to end the song i do that in my f-150 all the time all yeah. right cool yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> oh yeah we close the record out on a rocking tune that basically sums up the van halen philosophy a california beach a drink in a hand toes in the sand watching the beautiful girls walking past as Ray P. said, it was originally called Bring on the Girls. Warner Brothers made him change it. It's got an upbeat party groove that the band rides the whole way. It's loose and fun. It's chock full of dave Diamond Dave owns this song, like Ray P. said. He's got a bunch of ad-libs that only this guy could get away with. Ooh la la! I love them! I need them! <laughs> What's your name, them. honey? Hey, where are you going? <laughs> Come on, who else could possibly do that Look and get paper. away with it? No <laughs> one could. Only David Lee Roth. <laughs> Yet another catchy chorus and the backing vocals on the outro set the perfect backdrop for Dave to do his thing. Great album closer that's sealed with a kiss. This was the second single, which reached number 84 on the Billboard Hot 100. Now that the track-by-track is finished, we'll go into our final thoughts and album ratings. For you new listeners, the rating is a 0-5 to system, with 5 being a favorite album of ours, all the way down to a 0, which should be terminated immediately. Ray P., what are your final thoughts on Van Halen 2?
2: Okay. This one is the most difficult album for me to be 100% objective on. It's got such a cool live sound to it, and I know that they recorded it like three weeks after they got off tour in 78, and um, it really shows. My only gripe on, it, on this album is that it's just too short, but in some sort of weird sci-fi Doctor Who TARDIS way, it never really seems as short as it is. It's only 32 minutes but Fair Warning and Diver Down are only shorter by a minute, and they seem shorter. Looking back, I can see why me as a Kiss fan at a certain age would gravitate to this album, the album cover, the show that they put on, the way that they were so athletic, but the riffs are what made me a music fan, and um, you can identify Eddie Van Halen playing anything. The looseness of how the band sounds, it's like you get this feeling that they have this attitude that they know they're incredible, They just sound so great, and yet they're still giving off that impression that they're just fucking around and having fun. They're not really taking any of this seriously. They're having a blast. This album is basically summer vacation sonically, (laughs) and that's a David Lee Roth-ism right there. Um, I give this one a five.
0: All right. I can certainly understand an album being important to you for sure.
2: Mm.
0: Matt,
4: what do you think about this? Um, I totally thought it was an um, awesome album, especially, you know, all the expectations after Van Halen won. You know, you, you know, most sophomore albums come out a little bit flat, but I don't think this one did. I think this one just kind of picked up where the last one left off. It was almost like a, um, format-wise, like the first album. You had, like, certain number of songs of certain feels. You had the guitar solo thrown in there, and um, you had the one cover song. So it looked like a little bit of the recipe of the first album was used because it was successful. Why, why'd screw with it? But it in many areas sound a little bit more polished to me, a little bit tighter as a band. Maybe it's because they just came off the road and they spent so many, you know, night after night playing together that it, I guess it's hard not to sound like a tight band at that point. But at the same time, there's still that looseness that they're having fun in the studio and doesn't really sound like anything's really written out. It's just like they're You know, they're taking song ideas and and then jamming them out and working them out in the studio. And then when they have it right, just hit record and taking a take of the song live and saying, all right, that's good. Put it on the record. You know, it's not really anything like they slaved over, overdubbed over it and um, tried to polish it too much where it didn't sound like, you know, it was, you know, they didn't take the element of surprise or it didn't sound like it was too orchestrated or rehearsed which i really like it's more raw sounding but polished at the same time because they're so tight as a band and um i I have to give it the only reason i'm I'm getting it four and can i give it a half star yeah four and a half because Mm -hmm. because i'm i'm comparing it to all van halen albums and fair warnings my five star album so all the other ones have to i guess come below that a little bit and i i just i like it a lot but not as much as fair warning so so i i give it four and a half stars All right, that's fair.
2: So, after fair warning, can I look at you googly eyed now too? Yeah.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. Shannon.
1: Oh, how the ways I feel about the Rays. Oh, Ray, can I look at you with googly eyes too? I am so in love with both P and Z. It's awesome. (laughs) You guys are awesome. Torn
3: between two Raymonds <laughs> <laughs> It sounds so dirty. <laughs> kind of goes
1: into the whole theme of the album. <laughs> my thoughts on this album are that I think it's fantastic. I agree that as a sophomore album, it's a strong strike forward. I think it also is a hint of what's to come for future rock and roll. Not only for my favorite scene in Grunge, which wouldn't come for over a decade later, but because of like the glam scene um, even you know they even have a little bit of a disco feel at times. I mean, it's a slight one, but we 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 feel it. It resonates throughout a lot of the Van Halen albums. But they are so influential and so just incredibly awesome and groovy, if you will, because that would still be technically uh, you know an apt type of description. I would give this album a four. It's not my favorite Van Halen album either. But um, I think, fair warning, I have to agree with Matt, and it's not just because he's my husband, he's gorgeous, and I love him. But I do love that album. But um, I'd give this one a four because it's very, very strong second to its first, and they, are, they do differ, and I love the changes in it.
0: All right. Ray-Z,
3: um, it's kind of funny. It's like, I like this album now. This used to be my least favorite Van Halen of the David Lee Roth era album, but it's definitely grown on me over time. They were a versatile band. I mean, they didn't get quite—they weren't quite going as versatile as doing stuff like Big Bad Bill of Sweet William now. Or, but I mean, they're the DNA of Van Halen is made up of so many different things. I mean, they used to cover Casey in the Sunshine band. Yeah, you know, they used to cover Thin Lizzie. There's that
1: disco element. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. yeah.
3: And I'm told totally, which is kind of like what I liked about Faith No More was that the fact that they could you know do different things. Yeah. But I'm going to give this one a four and a half. It's a great album. There's nothing but good music all over it. But for me, it's it's not like um, say Women and Children First or 1984 or whatever. So yeah, four and a half, solid.
0: All right. Van Halen 2 was recorded within a year of the first Van Halen album. In a lot of ways, it's the continuation of Van Halen 1. The band had just come off the road were given less studio time due to Warner Brothers giving them a smaller budget, making it difficult to write a full album's worth of new material. Many of the songs in this album already existed as they had a backlog of strong material that they would dip into continuously throughout most of their career, actually. So there's a bit of a rushed quality to these tracks, like Ray Pease said. They were recorded in three weeks, but to my ears, it doesn't lessen them one bit. Now, this album doesn't quite have the overall impact of Van Halen 1, How Could It? That first album was so groundbreaking and influential, and it nearly reinvented the wheel for guitar players. This one just kind of continues that formula and cements Eddie Van Halen's place as one of the great guitar innovators. And I would argue that the other guys in the band step up and really make their presence felt on this record. It's not just Eddie's show. At this point, it's still just guitar, drums, bass, and vocals, with no other changes in the sound that would begin with the next album. So there's a lot of raw, youthful energy in these tracks as the boys show that they're no flash in the pan, they're no one-hit wonder. They were for real. Holy fuck, Nugget, do I love this era of Van Halen and this album. I give Van Halen two a four and a half. To me, it stands right beside the first album as one of the greatest debut one-two punches of hard rock ever recorded. Now we got to thank our guest co-pilots who joined us at the Summit Roundtable. Professor Ray Permi, thanks for coming back once again. It's always a pleasure.
2: Oh, thank you. It's always a pleasure for me, too.
0: All right. Standing. And Mr. Matt Fleming, thanks for making your long-awaited return. Maybe you'll join us again on a non-Van Halen episode.
4: Yeah, that'd be cool. That'd be cool. Thanks for having me. It's fun.
0: Thank you. All right. And that's going to do it for this episode. You can find this podcast at places like iTunes, Stitcher, Podbean, TuneIn, Google Play, and Spotify. So if you like what you hear, please subscribe to the podcast and leave a review of it. If you take the time to do that, we'll read your review right here on the show. If you'd like to contact us directly, we can be reached at ridiculousrockrecords at gmail.com and also on the Ridiculous Rock Record Reviews Facebook page, where there's a link to hear each podcast, including the R4 Summit branch of the show. You can also recommend the show on Facebook if you prefer to do it that way. And yes, we'll read your Facebook recommendation on the podcast. You want to come on the podcast and talk about an album with us? Shoot us an email and we'll set it up. We're always looking for co-pilots to host the show with us. And we would also welcome any requests or suggestions for albums to cover. Feel free to leave all of your feedback, comments, reviews, and or suggestions at any of those places I just described. We'd love to hear from you. So for the R4 Summit, I'm Aaron. I'm Shannon. And I'm Ray. Later. Bye now.
7: Let's get this thing rolling, because this could take a while. <laughs> <Yeah, it's crazy. laughs> so, Alright, so here we go. So so remember, Shannon, I gotta announce myself you're second, right? Because this is a summit podcast. Got it. Alright, here we go. Hello everybody. I'm Erin Martell. I'm Shannon Fleming. And I'm Ray Zimmer. Oh shit. Ah <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> All right, that's it's all I'm going to take your shoe off and take we'll crush you. <laughs> <laughs> so, Matt to Shannon, gotcha. Yes, Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Only for it these it introductions. Oh, okay. okay. All right. We'll get <laughs> Sorry. Been? I ate lead paint chips as a kid. Matt, you can be uh, Ray F. Here we go. After what? Let's try this again. Hello, everybody. I'm Erin Martell. I'm Shannon Fleming. And I'm Spiro Agnew. And welcome to the R4 Summit, a podcast where we discuss and analyze a musical album of our choice. (laughs) (laughs) Spiro Agnew. (laughs) I I, I, I I tried to hold it, I was going to make (laughs) it to it, but I started chuckling. I had it. I had it. I was going to get right through it. Pride in Maryland? (laughs) Yeah, 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 exactly. (laughs) I I'll be good. Okay, all
6: right. All right.
7: We did your <laughs> mat. You yeah, did, yeah. We did. I'm sorry. I, I got lost. That told us the guitar teacher story. started. <laughs> oh, 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 is, is this thing on? Hello? <laughs> <laughs> I just wanted to hear him talk about the solo. I was looking for some something cool. So <laughs> well, actually. I, I guess my opinion of this song was, I never tried to learn this one. fast forward, get to the good stuff. <laughs> <laughs> and, and it was funny because, Aaron, when you said the, the whale thing, that's what I always thought it was too. It was like this big <laughs> whale just lumbering around. I mean, can you just picture this kid? I mean, it's like, you know, you want to play drums. His brother said no. And then he goes on to guitar and then he wants to blow up the world. I mean, what would his parents say to him? I mean, I can't even do the right accent for it. Yeah. I guess I'd been right. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, really. He'd have made a great terrorist. I know. And he's like, oh, God, he's sure he Helen. The terrorist with a guitar and an M. It's
6: awful. I might wanted. i Yeah, yeah.
7: We're this know. Dutch kid. I know. <laughs> 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 so, I'm so, so, I'm like, if there's one thing, thing I can't tell it's people who are tolerant of people and that Dutch. <yeah. laughs> well, I could like say, so, now what was big that year? <laughs> Donna Summer. It's 79? Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's nice all right. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. That was, like, Van Halen was... was, was right. Donna oh, Summer yeah. and, and uh, the Saturday Night Live soundtrack. Yeah, Leo Saturday Night Live soundtrack. Yeah. Saturday Night Fever, yeah, that's it. Yeah. No, that was actually at one point, that was second biggest selling album of all time, Yeah, That's it was Michael Jackson's Thriller. It, it was, the was like that for years. Yeah. And yeah. a oh, good night. The, the Bee Gees are way cooler than that. Oh man, <laughs> I like the Bee Gees, you guys. <laughs> well, I, I like the Bee Gees when Justin Timberlake and, and Jimmy Fallon did <laughs> that. Big Jerry Fox That's very
6: good. I'm at the I Uh-uh. you.
7: I not John Travolta <laughs> dancing any day on the screen, man. It makes you just be like, whoa. <laughs> it's so laugh. weird. <laughs> it's, it's like <laughs> um, I knew Miss Bobberino before that movie, oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah. I was imprinted yeah. with that. It just I'm never, right. never was the dude from Carrie. No, oh, the,
6: right, yeah. I Carrie, right? <laughs> crazy. I'm <laughs> crazy.
7: <laughs> Did you that understand he was this guy who was like, a. he had a bubble, he was like, a, a bo- the boy in the bubble. Boy in the plastic bubble. Yeah, bubble. It yeah like, oh, shit. Oh, that was awful. Really, yeah, he yeah, that was like an anti-school special, like wasn't it? Yeah, it really, truly was. And that was actually based on a true story. Yeah. But, you know, when you think about John Travolta, wow, he's pretty like, you know, kind of like your renaissance man. I want royale with cheese. <laughs> I can't even say Adidas Adenimazel.
6: <laughs> <laughs>
7: and the Oscar goes to Adidas A blue boom book's a Scientology mistake now. <laughs> Ready, Shannon? Yes. So for the R4 Summit, I'm Aaron. I'm Shannon. And I'm ready. Later. We
6: la, la. yeah, You
7: didn't let Shannon do it. Oh, I forgot. Shit. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, my bad. <laughs> <me. laughs> to do hell?
6: Come on. I <laughs> gave
7: you, like, all kinds of <laughs> kudos before I I think, g- I think Ray Z y- just went down. Think, y- yeah, that's okay. Hey, a- T, you're in the lead. Hi Aye, aye, So for the R4 Summit. Sorry, my bad. The Z is shutting up. Yeah. I'm ready. We can't even do the final tagline. That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> We can't even do the sign.